Well, you know what? Um, I love Christmas miracles. I do. I, I believe in them. I, I believe that, that God wants to do something amazing and miraculous in our lives. I think all of us this, this time of year, especially today, we're looking for Christmas joy, even Christmas miracles. I mean, we fight. I know we all do. We fight to keep Jesus in the center of our celebrations. And because our society is so wrapped up in commercialization, it's very difficult to remember the reason for the season. Maybe you've heard the story of uh, three friends, three third graders. And each of them were sharing what some of their favorite Christmas traditions were. And the one little boy who was a Protestant went to a Protestant church He was telling them that some of their Christmas traditions are, of course, gifts under the Christmas tree and singing Christmas carols and going to Christmas Eve service and and uh, worshiping Jesus. And the other two children thought that was pretty cool. And the second little girl, she was Catholic and she said, our traditions are somewhat the same. We have a Christmas tree and gifts, but, but we go to midnight mass. And she said, my favorite thing in the whole world is to listen to the congregation sing Ave Maria. The third little boy was a Jewish boy, and he was taking all of this Christmas stuff in. And they said, well, what do, you, do you have any traditions at Christmas? I mean, I know you're Jewish, but do you do anything at Christmas? He said, we sure do. He said, my dad is a retail a shop owner in a large mall. And after Christmas Eve, when all of the shoppers go home and the mall is closed down, uh, my sister and my mom and dad and I stand around uh, the, the cash register and we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. A Christmas miracle indeed, right? You'll be surprised to hear that a Christmas miracle is found in a very unusual place. In fact, found in a 14-year-old girl by the name of Mary. Listen to our reading this morning from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, a part of the Christmas story that is very, very beautiful. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. His kingdom will never end. Now, for most of us who have been raised in Protestant churches, we sometimes get a little bit squeamish when we talk too much about Mary. Now, if you're raised in the Catholic tradition, the Luke 128 passage that you were raised with was, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Part of the the Mass, the liturgy, that is so meaningful to millions and millions of people in the world. But if you're like me, raised in a different kind of a tradition, you get maybe a little bit nervous and uncomfortable about the words. 
In our Protestant tradition, we we've really downplayed the role of Mary because of the perceived excesses of deifying Mary, making her on the same spiritual plane as Jesus. So today, uh, let's do something different. Let's forget our traditions and forget everything we know or have learned about Mary in our lives and come to this text with fresh eyes and an open heart. I want to introduce you to a concept today that will be, I think, both surprising and profound. And I want to call it simply this, the Mary Miracle. Listen once again to Luke 1, 31 to 33. The angel said, you will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, there's several parts to this Mary miracle. The first is this. The angel said to Mary that the Son of God will literally come alive in Mary. The Spirit of God will plant a seed and Jesus will literally come alive inside of Mary. The next part of the Mary miracle is this, that the Son of God, who is alive in you, Mary, will grow in you and literally change you. It will mark her. Literally, this life will swell in her womb. The third part of this miracle is that the Son of God, who comes alive in Mary and grows in Mary, shall come forth from her, and his name will be called Jesus. And the last part of this Mary miracle is that the Son of God, who is alive in her, and grows in her, and comes forth from her, he will radically change the world around her. He shall be great, verse 32. He will transform the entire world. Now, what makes this miracle truly a miracle is that it didn't just happen 2,000 years ago with Mary. But this miracle has happened thousands, tens of thousands, millions of times since Mary experienced that first miracle. It's happened in the lives of people over and over again throughout the world. And here's the miracle for you today. This miracle can happen in your life today. Let me explain what I mean. The Son of God, Jesus, can, who came alive in Mary, can come alive in you by faith today. And the Son of God, Jesus, who grew in Mary, that same Jesus, who comes alive in you by faith in your heart, can grow in your life today. And the Son of God who came alive in Jesus and grew, came alive in Mary and grew in Mary and came forth from Mary, that same Jesus can come alive in you and grow in you and come forth from your life. And that same Jesus who came alive in Mary and grew in Mary, came forth from her, that Jesus changed the world around her. And that same Jesus who comes alive in you and grows in you and comes forth from you will change the world around you as well. That is the Mary miracle. Now, this is heady stuff. Mary was the prototype, the first fruit. Christ came alive in her. And hear this, and I, and I say this with 
with deep reverence and humility. He's come alive in me too. Now, I don't have a womb, but I have a heart. And Jesus wants to be born again, born alive in you and in me. This is the merry miracle in 2011 that Jesus Christ can be born in a human heart, just like he was born in Mary 2,000 years ago. So this is the point of my message today. Very simple and I believe profound. And this is also the passion of my heart as a Christian and as your pastor. This is what I want to say to every single one of you here this morning. Have a Merry Christmas. Right? Now, the spelling is not incorrect in that. I want you to have a Christ coming alive in you Christmas. A Christ growing in you Christmas. A Christ coming forth from you and changing the world around you Christmas. Have a merry Christmas. This is a deep passion within me. One of the, the, the value that we uh, believe in more than anything else in our church is that every human being that we know, that we care about, every human being that comes into this church, every human being that is touched by anyone in our church can experience the love of Jesus and experience a transformation in their life by putting their faith and their trust in Christ. That is the merry miracle. That that Christ child can come alive in your heart today. Now there's a wonderful passage in 1 Peter that, that really kind of locks into this message. And it's this, 1 Peter 1.23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Honey, could you bring me the water there? Thank you. Too much preaching, too short of a time. <laughs> Thank you. So that word, um, not of imperishable seed, that word seed, and I, I don't want to mean to be indelicate, but most of our children are in the children's area. That word is the Greek word spermata. And just as Mary, as God bore, bore a, a son in her, as the seed was planted in her, so that spiritual seed can be born in your heart. It's the same word in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God wants to plant, in a spiritual sense, he did it in a physical sense in Mary, in a spiritual sense, he wants to plant that seed of Christ in your heart today. You can experience the Mary miracle because the Son of God can come alive in your heart today. And the Son of God who comes alive in your heart today can grow in your life today. And the Son of God who comes alive in your heart and grows in your heart, that Son of God can come, literally come out of you in a spiritual sense and change the world around you by faith. That is the merry miracle. Now it's a mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said it's a mystery that's been kept uh, in kind of un, without understanding for, for thousands of years until Jesus Christ came and made it understood. But brothers and sisters in Christ, members and friends of Hope Covenant Church, hear the word of God, the truth of this message, and really the passion of my heart. Please have a Merry Christmas. 
Have a Christ being born in you Christmas. A Christ growing in you Christmas. A Christ coming forth from you Christmas and changing the world around you. Now what does this mean in its very simplest terms? I want to share two things with you that I believe this means. The first is this. When you experience the merry miracle in your heart, you're experiencing the fact that God's grace is within you. God's grace is within you. From our text in Luke 128, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The word favor, as many of you know, literally means grace. Mary, you are highly graced. You are the graced one. God's favor and grace has been placed upon you. Now, we all know that the word grace means the unmerited favor of God. We know the acronym GRACE, G-R-A-C-E, God's great riches at Christ's expense. God wants to literally grace you with the Son of God living in you. He wants your life and your heart to be filled with His grace. Now, a better way to ex- explain grace that's always helped me is to recognize its position with two other words that you're very familiar with. Justice. Now, we all want justice in our world, right? We want justice. We want justice for everybody except for us. You know, we want grace, but we want everybody else to experience justice. But here's what justice is in its simplest terms. Justice is getting exactly what you deserve. Okay? So again, we want justice for everybody, but not for us. So justice is getting exactly what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. The court has mercy on you, and so therefore you don't have to go to jail. That is not getting what you deserve, but grace. Grace is a step further. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is not only getting off the hook from your sin. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. The love, the mercy, the grace lavished on you, on your life by God himself. You don't deserve it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. But God's grace is literally poured out on you. When Christ comes alive in you and grows in you, And when Christ comes forth from you and changes the world around you, that is God's grace that is in you. His unmerited favor lavished upon you. You don't deserve it. You can't possibly deserve it. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's justice. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's grace. You don't deserve it. But God lavishes his grace upon us. Mary, the angel said, you are graced to carry the Son of God. You have not earned the right. You are not even worthy. You are a lowly handmaiden. But out of God's mercy and grace, he has chosen you. Just think about that for a second. Mary, he has chosen you. And if Christ lives in your heart, he has chosen you. You have been given the privilege of Christ being born in your heart, Christ growing in your heart, Christ coming forth from your heart and changing the world around you. As with Mary, there is nothing you can do to earn God's favor, to be worthy of a great gift. But God says, I love you. I choose you 
I grace you. You, I will dwell in. Some of you, probably all of us at different times, have come to believe that our happiness and our contentment and joy comes from something else, right? Something else in life. Something that comes under a tree. Or something that comes in the form of a a new job or a new relationship or something. And we have come to believe if we just have that, that one thing, if we just have that one thing, then we'll be happy. What God is telling us here is that even though we don't deserve it, and even though we don't expect it, God says, I want to grace you. I want to fill you. I want to allow the Son of God to be born in your life, to grow in your life to come forth from your life and to change the world around you. He simply graces you. He simply loves you. You are like Mary. You are blessed. You are highly favored. You are graced. And God has chosen for Christ to live in you. How amazing is that love? How beyond anything we can imagine is the love of God? Most of us are waiting for God to stomp on us because we think we deserve justice. But, but God, on the other hand, is waiting to grace you with his son, Jesus Christ. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, the scripture teaches us. Do we really hear what the Bible is saying about how much God loves us? One of my favorite books is uh, The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. And in this book, he talks about this incomparable love and grace that God wants to lavish upon his children. I want to read you a paragraph from uh, Manning's book. Do we really hear, quote, do we really hear what Paul is saying? Stretch, man, stretch. Let go of impoverished, circumscribed, and finite perceptions of God. The love of Christ is beyond all knowledge, beyond anything we can intellectualize or imagine. It is not a mild benevolence, but a consuming fire. Jesus is so unbearably forgiving, I love that phrase, so infinitely patient and so unendingly loving that he provides us with the resources we need to live lives of gracious response. And hear this. Glory be to him whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20 The power of God working in us. How does that happen? Because just like Mary in the Mary miracle, Christ can be born in your heart. Christ can grow in your heart. Christ can come forth from your heart and literally change the world around you. The Mary miracle offers you the miracle of grace in your life. The Mary miracle offers us one more thing, and it's this. To know that the eyes of God are upon us. Let that truth settle in your heart for a moment. The eyes of the Lord are upon us. This is a wonderful truth. In the text, the angel Gabriel is dispatched by God to send a message to this girl, Mary. Now, when angels are dispatched, (laughs) 
That's not just a trite phrase. I mean, imagine a mighty creation of God, the angel Gabriel, or one of the other angels of significant rank. In this case, the angel Gabriel coming to God, literally, and looking in the face of God, hearing his instructions, knowing God's heart, looking into God's eyes, and recognizing that this miracle, this grace, is to be given to a 14-year-old girl. Now, because Gabriel is of sufficient rank, when he appears to Mary, she is frightened. Now, uh, I know if you go to Sedona and talk about angels, they're little furry things that flopping their wings and like that. But every time you see an angel in Scripture, there's fear. There's fear. Be not afraid. Why is there fear? Because these angels are significant. They are big. They are warriors. And they're ready to do God's bidding. When you look into an angel like that, you're looking into the face of God. And these angels were terrifying to people that had never seen anything like that. And the angel said, fear not, Mary, for I bring you good news, great tidings. So here's this angel Gabriel, dispatched from God the Father, after having looked in the eyes of the Father and knowing what his purpose is. And this angel goes, comes down to the earth. That's a long trip in itself. And then he finds the Middle East. And then he finds Galilee. And then he finds Nazareth. And then he finds this humble maid, Mary. And he comes with this incredible message. Mary, you are chosen by God. Isn't that incredible? Now here, what I, and, and I think, I know I'm twisted sometimes, but here's the truth that I see in this simple Christmas text. And it's this. God knows where you live. Did you know that? God knows how to find you. It doesn't matter how lowly you are. It doesn't matter how significant you are. Hear this. It doesn't matter how sinful you are. God knows where you live. He knows where to find you. And when he does, he will come to you with great tidings of great joy. And he will say to you, just like he said to Mary, I want to plant the seed of Jesus Christ in your heart today. And I want you to allow Jesus to grow in your heart. And I want you to allow Jesus to come forth from your heart and change the world around you. I want you to know the Mary miracle. I know where you live. I have found you. The eyes of God are upon you. I know your heart. I know what you need. I care deeply about you. And I so desperately want you to carry Jesus in you. I so desperately want the Mary miracle to happen in you. I will do whatever it takes. I will find you. Running away from God, I am the hound of every man. Sinning too much, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never stop following you. My eyes are upon you. I will never give up. I can remember so many times when I was in that darkest place of my life, when for those two and a half years I was gambling and deceptive, and so many times I remember driving home from the casino 80, 85 miles an hour trying to get away from my own sin, running away as fast as I can from my own sin. And when I was doing that, I remember God's message was always the same. I know where you are. (laughs) I know you're in this little 1986 Ford, you know, little car. And I know you're driving too fast. Pay attention to that. And I know who you are, Dwayne. And listen to this. In spite of your deception and your sin, I still love you. And I want you. 
And you matter to me because Christ has been born in you. And even though you're kind of pushing him off to a side of your life, Christ is still born in you. And he wants to grow in you. And he wants to come forth from you and change the world around you. God's eyes are upon us. And he will never look away. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the merry miracle. This is the transforming message of Christmas. And my passion for you as your pastor, that Christ can be born in you today. That Christ wants to grow in your life. That Christ wants to come forth from you and literally change the world around you. And so can I say to you once again, on this wonderful Christmas day, have a Merry Christmas. A Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Have a Merry Christmas. Would you bow your heads with me, please?